welcome to the Entrepreneur Podcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs with ADHD. We speak to successful business owners and industry experts to bring you the best tips and insights to help you launch and scale your business. Stick with us and we'll give you actionable steps that you can take right now that will get results. This podcast is hosted by Dan Gazain, founder of Entrepreneur.com and owner of Hoxo Creative, the web agency that helps your business stand out and get results. Now, on to the show with your host, Dan Gazain. Hey there, this is episode three of the Entrepreneur Podcast, and today we're talking to Vince Wicker. Vince uses chatbots and AI to help his clients communicate their offer more effectively. He's the CEO of a company called Turnswing, and in this episode, he's going to be talking about AI building intelligent chatbots and advancements in voice technology. Vince also talks about video marketing and building trust using video. So stay tuned. I'm traditionally just a marketer by background and task, and, and but I've always been interested in how people use technology to really get closer to their customers. Uh, but one of the things I started noticing is the fact that uh, the technology is actually allowing them to get further away from their customers. Everything's like a stupid, shiny trick instead of a way to get closer to them. So you see a bunch of bots or just a bunch of emojis and, you know, the, what do you call it? The, 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 um, scarcity, you know, a lot of things that you have yeah. to buy now, buy now. And what it really isn't is, hey, this is really interesting. Why don't I spend uh, 10 messages getting to know you? Um, and then once I get to know you, uh, the marketer in me says, I can now pitch you something that really works for you. Yeah, definitely. I, I think be, there's a big difference yeah. as well. I think automation, I think a lot of people get carried away with automating everything. Mm-hmm. I, I see people, I, I found some tools a couple of years back on Twitter where yeah. I, I was seeing like the big influencers doing things on Twitter and they were there like every two minutes. I thought, oh, I can't do that. I'm one person. So I used mm-hmm. automation tools. And then I noticed from being using so much automation, I kind of lost the engagement I had. Um, but, but I noticed that, but I, got, I kind of carried away because I thought, well, I need to be there all the time. I need to be posting all the time. And I can't physically. Yeah. So I'll use tools for that. But by doing that, you kind of cut off the actual human element. And the whole point is social media, isn't it? Right. And then there's, Pete, there, then there's the automation of things, even about emails and tags and hypothesis. <clears throat> Just people aren't they're using all these tools and what they also don't have is one of the things I've been bringing up to a lot of people. They don't have a data strategy. Like they'll build this whole thing. Um, and then they're like last minute, like, Oh, I need to go get their email and I'll need to get all, all this. But they've never thought about the whole conversation and the concept. Let yeah. me get your information. What can I, what kind of cool things can I do with that information? You gave me your email on Skype. I can automatically subscribe you to an email. I can automatically subscribe you to my uh, blog. Now you're a user on the blog already. You don't have to do anything. I'm just using all this other information to delight you. I have APIs in the, you know, why not do that? So I've been re- really working with people. So we started a small Facebook group just to really help people get a little bit of understanding about it. And uh, we did a lot of angles to get people engaged, get people there. So. We actually did, I was thinking about, we actually did a giveaway this summer and I still, I think probably still have it on my website, um, how people could use, um, YouTube ads in addition to Facebook ads, like, you know, YouTube, um, um, YouTube video ads. 
to really get closer to people than they are even with Facebook because the cost is just so much cheaper. Yeah. And what they're able to do. And uh, we just really try to find a way to, for people to really understand the businesses that they're selling to. Because so many people buy like a business in a box and they say, hey, this is, you need to sell to these guys, right? And you need to go in, just sell, sell, sell. And then they come back into some group or form and like, hey, nobody's buying. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, did you just try to sell a guy who owns a restaurant who walks away every day with $300 in his pocket? You just try to sell him a $2,000 thing just because it's a bot? Yeah. Or did you walk in, have coffee with him? talk to him about how his business is working and figure out what's really keeping him up at night. And then came back and talked to him about, Hey, look, I was thinking about this. How about we do this? And why, why don't we actually get information about your customers? And I tell you, if you, if the cash is a problem, why don't I take a piece of the upfront revenue until we can get my fee and then you get the rest, you know, have a conversation like that. Nobody even wants to think about it like that. And I think it has to has a lot to do with maturity but it has a, a lot to do with listening. For the, so the people that I kind of help through this, I think they get it. And I think if you slow down, it doesn't really need to be as intergalactic as everyone's making it out to be. And as a marketer in some more traditional businesses, I'm serving as a, a acting CMO for a business called Y-Suite. Um, you know, I'm trying to help more traditional businesses embrace digital marketing in some really um, staid and slow industries like the hotel industry. Uh, you know, how do people em embrace getting to know people and LinkedIn? Are uh, there people that look at LinkedIn and hotels only when they get fired and hired? Or then there are people that look at it every day. How do you incorporate press releases with things in a digital world that people haven't thought about it? All sorts of things uh, to really redefine things um, appropriately. Um, so we've been pretty lucky to be able to do some things like that. Yeah, it's brilliant. I, I, there's still a lot of businesses out there, even though everyone seems to be online. There's, there's so many businesses that kind of are stuck in the old ways and don't use the the internet like they could. Um, yeah, and the, and the, and they and and some try it. And, you know, it's funny when you see some people try it and it's completely obtuse. You part of you cringes, but part of you knows that if they keep going at it, they're going to get it right. Right, because they're going to evolve their way to get to that message, and their audience will evolve with them, and then all of a sudden they'll do it if they can last that long. Some people can't. Yeah, um, some people, you know, some people are just trying to offer the wrong people the wrong things. I think it's easy done as well when you when you think. When I know years ago, I talked to shop owners, and mm -hmm. at first I was talking to people and I said, "Look, you need to be online. You, you're not online. I could do this." And I thought, "Well, why are they going to listen to me? What they don't." know me or I've been a customer of theirs for years without yeah. actually talking to them I was I was just wanted, I wanted clients but then mm -hmm. after speaking to people and realising you know these are shop owners they're not they haven't got money coming out of their ears they're, they're working every single night when they go home to restock and do all these, these other bits and I, I was probably I was probably trying to sell the wrong thing to the wrong person at the time but but you can see other people are taking it on board and I'll, I'll see uh, real estate agents near me I see one, they asked me to go in once and run the Facebook ads. And I, I said to them, look, I, I don't do Facebook ads, but if you want me to help you, I'll, I'll take a look and we'll see what we're doing. So what is your, what do you want to do? And he kind of said to me, well, I've got all this money and we need to grow the business on Facebook because we're not on there and everyone else is doing that. Okay, okay, that's fine. But what do you expect to get from it? What do you want to do? Do you want to get 
more people selling their houses from you, do you want to get more people coming in to rent their houses from you, like the sellers, the buyers, who, who do you want and what are you actually offering them? Oh, nothing, we just want to be on there. And so you've got to kind of have a goal and a strategy, you can't just go on there and you say, no, it's okay, we'll put thousands of pounds into it because they're, they're, obviously they're making a lot of money. And um, I said, well, why don't we put something on, see what other people are doing, we'll do some research, see what others are doing, but even when you think what you're actually going to put out there for people to come to, you're just asking them to come to your website and there's nothing for them to do. They're going to click on your website and that's that's it. You've wasted your money. So let's build a landing page. So he, he rang up his IT company. And I, I, honestly, it was probably two or three weeks later, they came back to me and said, look, we've got this landing page. We're ready to go. I said, okay, let me take a look. Got my phone out. I took a look because it doesn't work on my phone. <laughs> this is like last year. I right. said, this, this landing page you, you spent God knows how much on and taken weeks to get ready was a simple form and a website that I couldn't even load on my mobile on an iPhone. I said, I don't know what year your company you're in, whoever you're paying for, but you, I said, you, you can't be paying for these adverts doing this because half the people you, well, probably more than half the people you're targeting. They're gonna, you're going to piss them off in like in milliseconds. Yeah, and, and you, just, <laughs> you may as well set your money on fire. You'd be better off doing that. But then I see, I see a friend over in my, my hometown who's got a real estate business. Um, they are everywhere. They're absolutely everywhere, and they're not trying to sell anything to anyone. They're just showing off some really cool pictures, showing off fun stuff you could do to your home. And the homes they, they get and they promote are absolutely beautiful and stunning, but they're not all about trying to sell, and, and they do really well. You try to explain this to some people, and they don't, they don't just get it, do they? No, there's this guy, Dennis Yu. I don't know if you've seen him. No. He has this, he has this, concept, he has this concept that of all the stuff I've taken away, he has this concept called a three-by-three three concept, right? So, and I think he really, it's like a no like and trust tier. Um, but it also is a function of, I don't know if you've seen the Simon Sinek, you know, the starting with why, then getting to how, and then getting to what. So he does these, he has you do three videos on why you're in this business you're in. One of them is a gratitude one, but for the most part, it's why you're in this business, right? And then there's another set of three videos about this is how we do what we do. This is how we make the magic happen, right? Then there's another three videos. This is what we do. And that's when you're selling, right? But the way he does is they're all done through retargeting and just boosting at a dollar a day, right? Then globally or wherever you want to go. And you don't see any of the hows until you've seen the whys. And you don't see any of the whats until you've seen the hows. So by the time somebody's seen it, they've seen at least 50% of each one of these things. And now they're like, okay, I've seen this person. They've explained this whole process. Now they're selling to me. And now they're like, that's, I get it. And so these people, these realtors could take just that simple concept of nine videos and just let it run and see who shows up. Yeah, definitely. Because you got to be there. Because you never know. Because there was actually a guy in the UK selling years ago when I was looking at Kindle books, right? He was selling Kindle books and he says, you know, the people are going to buy, but when are they going to buy? They're not going to all buy now because it's not the right time. They don't understand it. They have other things going on. They don't have the money. But if you're there constantly helping them out doing things or helping them understand the concept when there is, when it is the right time for them, they'll give you the nod. But if you just like buy now, Okay, we're shutting this down. Roll another carpet and we're out. You know, if they don't buy by Thursday, then you know you're out. Yeah, I don't like to guess. And also, 
I think when people get pissed off, he's trying to sell to them. So, so like that, if you if you trust someone and you build the relationship, even if it's if if it's through video or podcasting or talking to people, people appreciate you and they know you're a genuine person. You're not just trying to sell, sell, sell. So, I think I think a lot of people that we know at the minute and people like myself, I spend most of my time now just trying to help others, like in Facebook groups and be engaged. And it's kind of a step back completely from what I have done before, but you notice a huge difference in the people that do come to you eventually because you've helped them, you've you've taught them something, you're offering them something for nothing, rather than just trying to sell to them. And also, you'll be recommended, won't you, for other yeah, people? I mean, yeah, this one guy uh, just offered to help, and he had some software that he was selling, and he said, if you're looking to sell something, I came up with a concept, and said, like, do you want to buy this? And uh, he's like, no, no, I don't want to buy it. And he started to ask, we talked about his business, and I said, this is, this is what you should be doing. And I said, yeah, we should probably build a bot. And I was like, yeah. And I, and I said, well, how much are your rates? And I said, well, I, you can't afford, you know, <laughs> what, what I would do. I said, so, but, but you do have some really cool software, so maybe we'll come up with some agreement. But let's just see what your problem is. Let's just figure out what your problem is, because maybe you can solve it yourself. You don't even need me. And sure enough, we walked through the whole process, and we're gonna we're gonna work we're gonna work through some stuff together. But I didn't really I did not even realize the extent of what his software did. And so I'm like, I have like a zip drive full of like nine thousand dollars worth of software, <laughs> which, in real terms, what other people charge is probably fifty thousand dollars worth of charge software. But you know, I'm like, I'll get to use it, but. <laughs> But the guy's a really nice guy, and I've learned a lot just from having the conversations with him. There are whole worlds out there. There are people that only live maybe 100, you know, 100 miles from you that are living an entirely different lifestyle, doing entirely different things based upon decisions they've made. And based upon what you've heard, you could be making, you know, taking advantage of that too. So I just think the fact that you can learn from people is – that's why when I started podcasting, it was really ostensibly to learn a particular topic. We did, it was years ago, it was in some arcane XML framework for finance, XBRL. And I started this podcast and researched it because I got to know te something technical here and there. And my business partner and I did it. And before long, people all over the world were listening. People, they were flying me to the Adobe headquarters for conferences. They were flying me to Boston. They were flying me... I was like, all right, I'll go, whatever. <laughs> and it was it was interesting because you just decided to dig into a topic, and that's all you cared about. And so, it's a lesson learned. It's a it's a really good place to be. I'm actually um, trying to come up with a um, podcast concept for people doing um, for the companies that have uh, started all these bot platforms. Um, I'm coming up with. I think what I'm going to do is like a, a 15 question. Um, podcast with the CEO and founder. So like a so I'd, I'd pre-wire it and I'd give it to them and I just ask yeah. everybody that question. So now you have every provider lined up exactly the same questions about their products, about who they are, and then other people can make the decision. So when we talk about bots, do you primarily work with Facebook bots, so like Messenger bots or bots on websites like chatbots? Um, we do, when we do, for the most part, um, we do work with, um, messenger bots. Um, we've, 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 I do build ones. I've, I've built ones with some automation for websites, but 
but not the live chat bots for the most part, like live chat or intercom or anything like that. Um, and also we build them with uh, some of the SMS platforms like Twilio and whatnot. So when people want to uh, engage like that, we can do that. Um, and, uh, and there's one, you know, there's a couple of we're building, um, with Skype and, you know, on the, on the Microsoft platform as well. And we use, we use the AI out of, um, Google dialogue flow. So it's been pretty interesting. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. There's a whole lot of platforms out there. And actually, quite honestly, I've, um, I did, um, start, I have started experimenting when I got to the flash briefings, I have actually started experimenting with building bots in Alexa using, um, the Alexa, um, Amazon framework. Um, because I think voice, um, understanding voice, there's a lot you can do with messenger bots and AI and APIs and whatnot. And voice people are still just working on the conversation, but now there are tools where you can meld what you've learned when some of this messenger API web connections with voice to do some really interesting things. And now I've just been like doing like stupid, stupid tricks. Like, uh, you know, I, I go to a CrossFit gym and CrossFit has this whole set of branded exercises. So Alexa, what's this exercise mean? And then I have it go through a database, rip out the name of it and just say it back to them wow. what the database does. Right. You know, and so that's interesting, you know, to me that how can you just quickly do that and how can it rip through it? So it's been, you can really get lost in the technology, but when you, it's really interesting stuff. So what about shiny tools? I mean, there's obviously things like AppSumo when you see so many different tools doing similar things. And it's, it's hard sometimes not to think, well, I'm missing out on this or I need this, I need this. And obviously if you get too bogged down, you could be forever spending money on all sorts. What do you use yourself for, for building these things? Have you got one set of tools that you use all the time or is it, no, you know what? I've I've actually um, I vacillate on the shiny object syndrome, right? So, like there's there was a there was um, a chatbot tool, AppSumo, that was they had a really great deal. Um, Active Chat. This was something recently. A lot of people took up that Active Chat one. Yeah, I happen to know the CEO of Active Chat. It's an incredibly intense, but wonderfully warm person who really gets this platform. Um, I just think it's great. And I think that he spent the time to come up with some, some, some really interesting tools. Like, like for example, if you decide to build a bot in something called mini chat, right? Your bots in mini chat. If you decide to build one in chat fuel or, you know, your bots in chat fuel, right? If you want to build a bot in active chat, but you have a whole lot of stuff in many chat, you can now migrate it to active chat. That migration capability is something that that's a disruption that is coming. It's, it's, it's on his drawing board that he announced on his, on the group. So it's not like it's a secret. But that is probably the most disruptive thing that's ever happened at the portability of the thing. Because it's always been that you've built on top of um, Messenger. But the fact that you can port from platform to plat builder platform to builder platform means that you're dealing with somebody who's thinking about it at a different level of sophistication. 
Um, but shiny objects. So I've built in Flow XO. I built in, but I've had reasons for building that way, right? I looked at Minichat because it was the first thing we saw, but it just seemed kind of complicated uh, because it gets complicated because it's the way it's built and it's built for marketers and a lot of the sort of the technical integration wasn't there. So I went to ChatFuel because it had technical integration and it really appealed to me as an enterprise sort of marketer. And I built on that. And then I looked at, and then someplace last April, Facebook shut everything down. You couldn't build any more bots. You couldn't do anything because of this uh, uh, Cambridge Analytica problem. So if you wanted to build, you had a client, you wouldn't have needed to build a bot. You couldn't. Hard stop. It was off the, it was off the grid. So there's a company out of the UK, I think, FlowXO. You can build web-based bots. So a couple of my clients needed a bot, so we built a web-based bot. Didn't even, didn't even you know, uh, you weren't relegated to the platform. You just did that. And so that's what we did. And then, uh, so we did that for a while. And then, uh, and then, you know, everything came back and I started just looking around and just exploring the platform. And then it turns out that the fact that I've dabbled in all of these and understand how they work really helps get to the next level and build what you need to build. Cause none, none of it's a moonshot. Um, the, the complexity becomes in the integration. Um, and there, and so I think it's in everyone's advantage to understand, not just say, I don't use that. You know, you need to be able to be, to learn, you need to be willing to learn. And, um, if, if it's beyond you to learn it, you find people who can help you get to where you need to be because there's enough people in this world, um, who know these technologies who can really help you. Right. So you don't have to do it all yourself. And that's the other thing I'm starting to learn is I don't have to do everything myself. I can outsource a few things. Definitely. Yeah. It's, um, so I think that, but in the world of these, this bot building, I think that you need to be aware of the one thing about bot building and Amazon Alexa and voice that everyone is, it, it goes to what we talked about at the beginning of the conversation is this concept called conversational design. Um, if you don't understand that concept, you're dead in the water. If you don't understand that writing chatbot dialogue is like writing a play where there's turns in conversation, like you say this, I say this, you say this, I say this. If you write that out, you realize that that was just like 17 turns to get like, what's your name, what's your email, what's the name of your pet? Yeah. But, but what if I just dropped a video and said, hey, you know, we're here to, you know, help you fix, you know, get to the right, get to the right uh, department in our pet store. What's the name of your pet? And what department do you want to go into? And if somebody just clicks the dog video and or, or just answers the question really quickly in two, in two shots because you've decided to shortcut those turns with multimedia, all of a sudden you end up in a better place and they appreciate that. It's just those subtle things you think about it when you write it out and you're like, how could I make this better? So many people are into the shiny object of, I, the, there's something addictive about seeing, as a marketer, seeing your world come alive in a chatbot. It's so magical. But if it, but if it's a really shitty experience for other people, you don't even care because you're just so happy. You're clapping, looking at you know, 
look what I made happen. But in reality, if it's really horrible experience, nobody's going to engage. And then all of a sudden you're going to be struggled with, you know, struggle with, uh, what do you want to do? I spend more time writing out my chatbot dialogue than I do actually um, putting it into a bot. I, I write it out. It's like, what does it sound like? What does it feel like? What does it say? Like, I was asking somebody, what kind of pet do they have? You know, I toyed with what kind of companion do you have? Or then I realized that what if they have more than one pet, right? So which one of your pets do you want to talk about first? You know what I mean? So you just those sort of subtle conversations that people could say, oh, like, I want to talk about my dog. Okay, let's now let's go. That sort of thing. I mean, so it's, it's nice as well to see you with pen and paper <laughs> to, yeah. to write it out physically. I think it makes such a difference to to just dropping things on. You know, I, I build things like site maps, and I'm going to build on the website here. But but to write it out on pen and paper is it's, it's completely different, and you get a, a different kind of feel. I don't know why, but physically yes. writing something is completely different from doing it on the screen, and, you, and your brain starts to think actually properly. And, and like like I say, if I build out a website, it's from start to finish. That's what I think of like, the process, where people are going to go, why they go in there, instead of just putting things on the screen and then trying to figure it out afterwards. Yeah, that's why, you know, whiteboards and I work in this big, in a big warehouse space and I have a lot of, uh, I spend a lot of money on post-its, processes and post-its and marking them and moving them and remarking them and moving them and getting, getting that there, you know. It's, it's, it's important. And I don't think people realize everything's they're typing everything. Yeah. And I've, you know, I've never been guilty of avoiding the next technology, but I've always thought that if you spent the time to physically feel how it's going to flow through something and ask the questions and test and test your stuff too, that's the, that's the key. So when you, when you write a chat box now, or whatever you're putting together, do you have some kind of process that you follow or do you kind of just do it depending on who it's for and who's going to be using that? Or is, is there some kind of flow that you've got, that you've, you've developed? There is a flow that I've developed um, for the most part because now I, 80% of the bots I build, I use um, AI with them. And... When, when I talk about AI, it's really natural language processing. And natural language processing, it's not magic, <laughs> right? It requires, you know, bumper rails for things to happen. Um, there's a process. There, there is a process where I first I write out, um, first, what do I want the bot to be about? What do I want them to, what do I want it to happen? What, what do I want people to do? Um, how do I want them to engage? What do I want it to look like? What do I want it to feel like, right? And then if it's something that um, it's common, let's say I'm going through this process with ManyChat. They have an agency you know, thing. They want you to become an agency. I'm like, yeah, whatever. So I'm going to build out this bot, but they want you to have a pet store. And everybody else is going to have what kind of pet do you have? And they're going to have like nine buttons of pets, which I hate. I was like, what? That's so, so I have a video and I have artificial intelligence, right? So now you can just type it in and it'll just respond appropriately. So, but now I have to think about 
what sort of question would I ask and what sort of response would I get when I say bird, when I say cat, when I say this. So I make notes to myself like, okay, let's go find all the domesticated cats lists. So I download that into a, into a CSV and I upload that. So now when people type cats, boom, it's going to come up. They could just type in my Siamese cat, my Persian cat, my, my Persian, my this, and it's going to catch it all. You know, domesticated birds, this, that, and the other thing. What, what do you need like that? But the thing about these processes is the fact that, um, well, I have, a, I have a couple of training courses that I started building, but as soon as I try to explain the concepts to some of the people about AI and bots, a lot of the people are still into like, oh, I'm just building a bot. Nobody needs that. I just like put it away and I'm like, you know, I'm just going to use it. But the whole concept of artificial intelligence, you have these um, intents, right? The, an intent is like, um, if you already know this, you know, whatever. But it's sort of, it's like, what do you expect your audience to say? I expect them to... I, I'm going to send them a video to say what kind of pet do you have. I expect them to say a type of pet, right? So my the intent I'll put is pet type. So, you know, and I'll put training phrases in like I have a cat or it's my cat or my dog or it's my bird. And I'll write all those training phrases down. And then I have these variables that I could use that have synonyms. Like I'm just going to basically go with dog, cat, bird, reptile or this because that's the departments in the store, right? Um, so I create these entities or variables so that come in. And then I respond. And I can either respond by sending them someplace else in the bot or I can spend you there. But it's very interesting. It's like later in the bot, I could ask them a different question and they could respond, cat, dog, this, that, and the other thing. But it could be a totally different thing. So there's a thing in natural language processing called a context. So you have to like take this thing called a context and push it, push it in your question. So now your next question is expecting the cat answer, but it's going to do something different with it than the other one. So you have to kind of think that through. So you've got to have these, what I call them independent questions and dependent questions kind of built in your mind when you're kind of doing that. And for that, you do need, um, in addition to paper, I also use a piece of software like twine. I don't know if you ever use that software. No, I don't know. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a little, it's a cheap JavaScript like flow charting type of software, where you basically write something, you make a bracket, and it goes here, bracket, it goes here. So you can kind of think through all these branches about where they're going to go, and you can see where the orphans may be hanging out. Probably like if you're building a site map. Yeah, or building a funnel. Yeah. So so if we are building a funnel for, you know, I want you to eventually get to this part. This is what the, 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 you're going to lead to, but to get to that, you're going to have to get to this, and you're going to start all the way down here. Mm -hmm. there's, there's so many different places it can go, and you've got to think of every single part and put that together, and that's that's in your mind before you even start building the actual website or whatever you're giving away or selling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you know, so you have to build the context are really things. So, but you have to build that for a conversation, and so you know, so I I do do something with the branching. I do so I do think about it, but it 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 takes. Yeah, a bit of thought, but I can I can range through it. I had a trip. I had, I went out to I don't know. I had an airline trip to one connection through Chicago. I could do it in a one connection flight, as long as I had like a little bit of time to be connected to the internet, because you have to be connected to the internet for each of these. So I'll end up writing it all up, and I'll have it ready to go. 
um, and then I'll do it. And I'll spend the most of the time, most of the time is spent um, shaking out the integration. And like what already, things normally integrate with? Is it like SMS platforms or like email It could be platforms? SMS platforms. It could be platform. I'm a big fan of collecting. I do um, their integration platform. I use in Integramat instead of Zapier. Uh, and I've been doing a lot with bots around generating galleries of, of items and events and dynamic galleries of events, right? Or not of events, of uh, pictures and images. So if you ask for a product, if you ask for a particular topic, I would bring images about that particular topic. So I spend a lot of time building a huge library of these things where I can go and select 10 of these out of this library and just present it to you based upon what you asked. So it feels like I'm actually listening. So what I end up doing with that is I just end up writing the right sort of JSON just to go pull that data and push it back to you in real time so you can ask a question. And it feels like we're really getting to the, we're really getting to the meat of it. And it requires finding the images, sizing the images, loading the images usually up to Amazon, uh, Amazon bucket in the cloud. So you can just, you know, in their content delivery network so I can get the images back or audio back faster and just, you know, I can do video, audio, images and just push it back. Um, and a lot of other things are just, let's say we were going to do an analysis of, of people. We would do something like, um, I would have a predefined report on what kind of business you were. And, and I would build the integration to um, fill out all the um, uh, uh, variables in that report, almost like a mail merge. So I could say, well, it looks like you are a successful business person and you need help in these two areas. Um, if you'd like a full report of that, boom. And I would take all of your real information, dump it into this um, report, run any variables, bump it up against anything, and that would, be, that would generate a PDF and get sent to you. So I try to do something really cool that it takes a little bit of effort to really think it through, but once it's set up, it's just sort of like the marginal cost of utilizing it. Nothing. That oh, so it was that's what I did I, for a client. I did uh, lifetime lifetime customer value calculation. Oh well. Right, you know what I mean. So, what do you call your you know what do you call your customers? Do you call them patients? Do you call them clients? Do you call them customers? Right. You know what do you do this? How often do you see them? And then once we did that. Sounds great. It sounds like you're, you know, on average, your lifetime customer value is that. If you'd like to see your detailed one, if you'd like to see a profit-based one or a time-based one, send me your email and I can send you a full report. And that's what I would do. Because, you know, the profit, the detailed, and the other one was just an average of those three. And that's what I gave them. But now I'll just give you everything and write out a report and then enclose what the definitions are and how they have it. And if they have any other questions, send it on. And I use that as a kickoff to do like a, a series of six videos about about small businesses, small business marketing. Like I wasn't trying to sell them anything. I just wanted them to know about this, and sure enough, they came back to me. It's interesting. Definitely, and I like back to the what you talk about at the end, the the series of videos. You know, like you you start off with the basic videos saying like this is what we do, who we are, and until someone actually watches that, then they don't get to the next stage. You know, right. so if someone's going to flush past that, I'm not going to pay for you to watch my next video, but actually, here's how I can help you. And then after that, here's, well, eventually, 
you'll get to someone else that watched it and now I'm going to sell you something or, or hook them in by giving them something dirt cheap, like a low-value product. And, and I, I really like that. I've seen a couple of people using it recently and it's something I've, I've, I've watched and waiting for a friend to come back and tell me his results from his first effort. But, but it's just a whole new way of, especially when, you, when you're putting your money there and you think half these people aren't interested in what I'm putting out anyway. You know, I only want to get to the people that are actually interested in what I'm doing. So you can say, look, this is what we do. Here's where we can help you. You can have this for nothing. And then when they've watched that, you can say, right, if you want to go to the next level, this is what we'll do. But mm -hmm. they'll only see that by watching that video in the first place. And this this is one guy, um, Andre Chaperone. I think he's out of Spain. He has this crazy course called Autoresponder Madness. It is probably... He has synthesized years of knowledge, um, storytelling, you know, into a into a framework that he, you know, calls it like a customer preeminence, where he basically just will send you email after email after email and give you value and value, but he creates cliffhangers, hooks things and you could say he lines up emails on a big screen you can see like this one goes to a hook from here this one goes from a hook from here this one goes to a hook from here and he'll do crazy things like um send you an email it's part two and all of a sudden you'll be looking through your emails and he's like oh yeah there, no, there was no part one <laughs> but you'll be looking <laughs> yeah, yeah. for part one you know like, damn it <laughs> you know what i mean and uh so you go through this whole process and what he does is he and, and it took me a while to understand it. He basically says, okay, Bob, Tim, whatever, you have, you can ultimately only service four types of people, right? And who are those people, right? So now, how about this? Let's ask questions in these emails to find people to, to, to you know, set tags and behaviors to get people in these buckets. And so his line, his timeline goes in here, they ask a question, you get on this branch. You ask this question, you get on this branch. So at the end of the day, he has all these people with all these tags in these different buckets, either conceptually or actual. And then he creates a program for each of those people and he sells to them based upon what they've seen over the last 12 emails. He says 12 emails and then he, and then he then just sends them 12 more. And then he says every two or maybe every three or four months or two or three months, he has something to sell. He'll drop in, you know, a three-day sales thing on top of this whole everything they've got. But it'll be targeted to those people. But you've been adding so much value over time. For the most part, they'll buy because you know exactly what they want. So, Yeah, and if you're still appearing in their inbox all that time later and they haven't bothered deleting you and you're actually looking at your content, I think there's a big difference, isn't there? They're the people that are primed, ready to, they already trust you, they already know you've got, you've given them something decent and they're willing to spend money rather than go out, going out trying to find new customers all the time and you've got this audience. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it works, but I think it, it's a percentage game. You know, he had, you had to have a large enough audience for it, for his game to work. Right. So, so that's, so what do you think? you think your audience will get something out of this? or? Yeah, definitely. There's one more thing I wanted to talk about. You mentioned uh, the Facebook group. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know how you said small, but I don't know how small she's talking like 50, 100, a couple of thousand. About 100 people. It's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's about 100 people. So I wanted to ask as well. I've started a Facebook group for this, and obviously I've done two episodes. We've only got, I think, 20, 30 people involved. Um, but I've run other Facebook groups where I've got kind of hundreds or thousands of people in those groups, and they've happened over time, but they're not really the kind of people I want to be talking to. Like now I've kind of whittled down who, who I want to speak to, why I want to speak to them, and what we're going to do for them. I'm a lot clearer myself on who my customer is and, and who my listener is for this. So how how do you get the right kind of people to your Facebook group and how do you keep them engaged? I think that um, your decision to be extraordinarily particular about the composition of your audience is spot on. I think that at first when we started our Facebook group, I was just enraptured with the whole concept and I got, you know, somebody comes in, they could fog a mirror. That's great. Right. But at the end of the day, they weren't adding value to the group. And there are probably a couple of those hangers on. Uh, but the, the, one of the best ways to keep them engaged is to remember who they are. I mean, the way you've designed your podcast, the way you design how your approach is, if the stories that you tell, in your um, group, the the way you bring it up is if you if you know the stories of your people in the group, if you craft your stories in the context of their story, you will have that level of affinity and engagement that's authentic and will work. If you talk about you know, I'm going to go to my next Stephen Covey super organized class and I'm going to go and do this and that, you know what I mean? It may not be the thing. Uh, but if you're talking about, here's a way that, you know, here's a way that I make sense of how I want to grow my business and what I need to do, regardless of if I, am I the most organized or distracted person or am I, you know, just so inspired by things that don't let me really to, to make it. I think that, I think that the Facebook lives, um, just on a pure algorithmic level, if you can run, um, if you have the horses to do, you know, one or two a day, you'll get a lot of engagement from people. Um, there are people who want to run a contest all the time to see if they can get their friends in, but some people they're maybe all their friends aren't just like them. Right. So you've got to, hope that you're giving enough value for people to where they feel that they can be as particular as you and inviting people into the group. And, and I have no remorse whatsoever about not accepting anybody in the group. Definitely. Um, Especially if they they can't answer a simple question or they've not even looked at that. I think, well, you haven't got time to join this group. I see that I've, I'm, people have added me to other groups, there's admins, people, groups that are like local groups, like residence associations. So if you had like neighborhood associations over there, but you know, like where we live and people have added me as a like admin and people join these groups and it's just like, oh, I would like to sell you this. And like, people aren't interested in that. This is not, that's not what this is for. This is for crime in the area or whatever yeah. people want to talk about. And if you can't even answer one question, you're not coming in. And then with my groups, I, I started a few business ones years ago and they've got a huge, some of them are a couple of thousand people in. It's not huge, but but locally, there's a lot of people in there. But all they mm-hmm. do, instead of 
talking or when you try and have the discussion, they just want to promote themselves. And I think, well, who do you think you're promoting to? Because most of the people in this group are business owners. So if you're constantly promoting your stuff, the, you're not selling to the right people. You're just wasting your own time and everyone else's. So yeah. I think that now, of, instead of purging these old groups, I created the new group. And that is for one specific person. You know, and mm -hmm. if you join this group, you you will be engaged. You will be talking. It's, but it's just how to kind of find more now. <clears throat> but it's but it's a branding exercise, yeah. and it's not a marketing exercise. If anything, it's like if so. If you have to look at it from any level of marketing, I think it would be more of a of a branding exercise. Um, and in branding, it doesn't have to be coated in something smarmy with the you know shiny suits and <laughs> big fat cigar or anything like that. I think it needs to be say like. The brand is this, and the brand is helping, and this is what we're going to do. Um, I think that um, definitely get their emails if you're not asking for those already. I started using that group convert tool. Pretty good. Oh, I've not tried that. Let me write that down as well. It's like a little Chrome extension, um, but I think you have to – I don't know what you have to pay for, but it's I don't know, it's like cheap, 29 30 bucks or something like that. But it's, it's, it's a good way. What happens is – you when you when you put one of your three or four questions, that's the email address um, that you um, hit. Uh, they have it in group convert. Just pushes into a Google Sheet, and then you can use whatever you want to zap it into your email list, and then you just keep going from there. And so you can engage. If so, if you do want to sell something, if you did want to market to them about something else, or you just want to engage, or do you realize that Facebook could just walk in on Tuesday and change their policy? At least you have a way to talk to these people. Yeah, and I think that's really important. If you build um, a business on on social media and you've got no other way of contacting these people, you you haven't really got a business, have you? Or you've got a business that is in someone else's hands. And it's... So there's uh, there's people I know that run just Skype groups. I'm on this one that's like slightly annoying, but it's a complete Skype group. But let me tell you, it was like Skype things are popping up all over the place. Like, what is it? It was like too much. But when I started reading it, it was so valuable. I just turned, I learned how to control my notifications. Uh, people do the same thing with Slack. So yeah, Slack's brilliant. Yeah, so people do a lot, and I think they do a lot when, they're, especially when they're, it's really sort of black hat sort of website, you know, SEO. They're like, okay, we just really can't put that out there. So yeah, I, I definitely think from you know growing a group, I think that branding, selling the story. Um, and being consistent, like there's nothing wrong with setting an editorial calendar that is like on Tuesday, we do this on Wednesday, I do this on Wednesday. And is there a way, I mean, some people do things like, you know, you know, we're going to talk about this on Tuesdays or this on Wednesday. So they can kind of look forward to what's happening, just some level of regularity and it's there. And the other thing somebody told me is. And when people join the group, there should be enough content on there that they could feel like they spend hours. They could spend an hour on there, or you know, resources, other stuff, things like that. I'm trying to think of anything else I learned because I went through a couple of these courses on group growth, um, growing it and in keeping engaged. I think the comment ladders. That's what people are really into the comment ladder. You're familiar with that? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, but... I th yeah, that... 
that that always comes up, but um, it depends. You have to get a certain size for that to really like take off. Yeah. Yeah, I see it in in big, huge groups. I'm part of some of them. I think a lot of groups. If people are commenting for the sake of commenting or posting stuff too, I, th- I think there's there's a line, isn't there? And it depends who you're trying to talk to and what you're talking about. But some mm-hmm. groups seem to, especially the way Facebook works. I'll be in some groups. I'll be there every, every single day talking to people. Then others will just you don't really look at them as much or they're not offering that kind of I think you need the value as well right for, for me personally and and you need people to keep coming back don't you? you you would need people to want to come back but then you need those people you need to find that those couple of people that will post as well as yourself so you're not the only person you're not talking to yourself in your Facebook group I think that's a, a big thing for me yeah so when I look at some of these chat bot groups I put a post out there knowing that the likelihood of me getting an answer. But sometimes the answer is so deep and so high quality. I just told one guy, it's like, this is probably the happiest I've been <laughs> all week. I've been trying to figure out this problem and you guys have not solved it, but the level of depth that you went in to try to help me, I really appreciate that. Yeah. And they, they were like, that's right. You know, because other thing is just screeds of, hey, join my group, buy my course. Why I need to buy a course? Yeah, I need to buy a course. The same in, friend of mine. Web design friend of mine groups. has a list of all these course, all these courses that he had bought, <clears throat> purchased, licensed. I don't know. And I went and looked at them. They were horrible. <laughs> they were horrible because these, because somebody had a concept. They legitimately had a head start on the market. And they wanted to share it because they thought it was monetizable. But in order, they felt to make it worth it, they built a course around it. And it was just like this boring death march that really wasn't there. The real value is, was their coaching. If they were really good at what they did, but they had co- recorded coaching calls, that became the real value. The rest of the stuff was just sort of like, yeah, you haven't figured this out yet. That's good. But people pay... for some things that legitimately was probably a really good idea when they started building it. By the time they were done, it was sort of like people bought it, but people are buying these things and I'm just baffled by them. Yeah. You say in web design groups, it's the same thing, huh? Yeah. And and you constantly got people saying, look, um, people, you go to web design groups and I'm in quite a few. But you'll go to somewhere it's, you know, people are talking, oh, oh, have you seen this tool? Have you used this tool? And we're telling each other about the software we bought, especially AppSumo. But we're talking about all sorts of things. And, you know, people say, oh, I don't like this. Or, or we'll let each other try things. You know, I've bought this. Have you bought this? So let's use each other's and see what we like. Mm-hmm. We're asking how we do a particular things, and it's brilliant. But then you've got the, the other groups where people pop up constantly. Oh, I'm looking for work. Can you hire me? Have you got any work that you can give to me? Or... Look what I've done, and I've, I'm selling something that I've stolen off someone else, and I'm now reselling that. So that's not the way to go on a Facebook group. Like they're not no. the groups for that. But but people do it, or people will say again, buy my course, and it's information you can find for free. Yeah. And I think that it's if you're actually doing you a disservice because you need the time to develop your own personality, your own style. And if you're just spending all your time reading other people's things or worried about, do I have enough? Should I go buy their stuff? You don't yeah. really have time to get your own, I don't know, sea legs for, set of, for sake of a better term. Yeah, definitely. And mm-hmm. I, I agree as well. I think it's good to, to look at what people are doing content-wise and 
take it on board, but then take action and not just keep watching and watching and watching because half the stuff you've learned, if you don't use it anyway, you're not going to remember half of it or, or know how to use it effectively. You know, you have to go out and try things and see what works for you and yourself. Yeah, you know, like, ah, that'll never work. Yeah. Yeah, one guy's like, oh, well, I'm, I'm just going to do this. And I looked at it and I was like, you sure that's going to work? And he says, what do you mean? I'm like, I don't know. Let me know how it works, you know. And you know, some people buy into it, but I'm, I'm just, I'm still, I'm still baffled by the affinity that people have on Facebook for people um, that do certain things. And is it something they are you really using to build a business, or are these just their friends who are just pleasant to them, which yeah. I can't. Hear. I think for me, you know, I think Facebook is now just purely about groups. I see, I see older relatives and a lot of relatives using it and posting things. I see people from, you know, that I grew up with posting once in a while or posting pictures that people posted like 10 years ago. But there's not a lot of engagement on the actual feed. Um, most of the things, most of the people that I know post in groups and groups what keeps Facebook going for me anyway. I'm not sure about yourself. Yeah, no, no. Actually, what I ended up doing, I had a Facebook group and then Facebook account for groups and business and I had one that was personal. And then there was this whole thing where Facebook was shutting things down because if you had more than one account, it's like they thought you were some Russian troll or whatever. <laughs> well, anyway, and I just made a, I made a quick decision. I said, you know what? I've had this other Facebook account for years. And all it is is like these over-curated pictures of people's kids and grandkids. And you know what? I'm just going to look at them and either – I'm not looking at it. So I deleted that account. And I took the one that I was using just for business and that. And I refuse to connect with anybody from my life because of the way the social graph will grow and they'll end up on my posts. I've only connected with my wife only in as much as that she is the emergency backup on my account in case something, you know, for my groups and she's the admin on my groups just in case something goes down and you're locked out because you need to do that. I don't know if you've done that. Yeah, once. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But if you ever get if you ever get locked out, you do need to have a, a backup and that's who she is. Uh, but for any posts that I'll do general, I just pretty much post to the world except for <laughs> her because she's like, why'd you say that? <laughs> she doesn't really get my personality. So online. So I think that um, for the most part, it's just groups and commerce and uh, messenger to get. I have more messenger addresses than I have phone numbers now of people that I've been done business with around Facebook. Yeah, that's that's always got I think, personally, rather than looking at people whatever, what people are eating for dinner or what the kids are doing or it's just it's not like, interesting. It's just gone I think. But, and I and I've, that's gone off a bit of on Twitter because I got a little bored with that. Um, Instagram. I did something when I was building ads for Insta with Instagram that somehow my business account ended up taking over my phone for my personal account. So the only I can look at my personal account is on my computer. And I've been going back and forth to Instagram for like three months and nobody's been able to give me any, you know, resolution. I'm just pissed. So, um, so that one is not for sake of trying. I did run Snapchat ads. They actually were pretty good. Oh, cool. Um, I was surprised, um, how good they were. I always try to, you know, see something new, see what's going on. 
my kids were mortified that I was on Snapchat. <laughs> yeah, I've not used that. Yeah. Right. If we go to the, the to, to finish up, then we've had an hour, so thank mm -hmm. you for your time. Um, mm. If you could only use one piece of software for your business, or 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 in general, if you had one piece of software that you couldn't live without, what would that be? One piece of software, or a tool. I think one tool I, I wouldn't live without is my phone. I, my phone, because I, I, I am um, as a marketer as a person who deals a lot with, um, business to business, um, the power of a personal presence is extraordinarily underrated in the digital world to, for the ability to somebody, you pick up the phone and talk to somebody and have a real conversation. That's not recorded. That's not digitized through someone's server. Well, they, it is, but I mean, not digitized the way that like, like a Facebook messenger or conversation is, it's, you know, to pick up the, and have a phone call with someone and have a real, like an adult phone call, a deep conversation with someone is probably still one of the most rewarding experiences that people could have um, to a point where I really encourage my kids to have conversations with people. And that's going to be their advantage because a lot of their peers are not versed in having conversations. And I think that's going to be, um, that's going to be their advantage going forward in the world because people are gonna want people to lead them talk to them and be you know be around them people who can actually hold a conversation so i think it would be my phone for the sake for the for the very part of the phone yes i probably message people and everything like that and i'm probably pretty good at that but it would be my phone it would be that tool and not for the sake of all the apps because i can i can put those away i can put those away for weeks at a time without without having sort of sort of like freak out you know but talking and conversations, that would be it. Yeah. And then if we talk about content, so we, we talked earlier, obviously, there's, I think there's only so much you can consume. You, you, there's, there's so much content out there, but whose content do you prefer or who, who do you watch or listen to or read about? I, um, I listen um, – Recently, because of my interests around conversational design, I've been blown away by this podcast, VUX World, Vux World, um, and it's really about. It's been a really. It's been about um, conversational design um, and voice, but it's taught me so much more about the whole space, and and. It's just exposed me to a level of intelligence that's out here in the world around um, how people are thinking and being thoughtful about how technology needs to happen in order for it to really work and expand. And that's, you know, that's just, um, that's blown me away. Um, and I guess I really appreciate those, those podcasts. Uh, it's, everyone has just been, because they're discovering they're still new and kind of raw and they're discovering at the same time they're we're talking to technology. People are talking through technology that we've seen our entire lives and talking about all the problems with it. Like they had one episode about this group of people who have added firmware to an Alexa that allows it to go in a whisper mode. 
it's designed for the elderly. I think it's called LifePod, who live alone, because there's a fascinatingly high number of people who are living alone, aging alone at home. And what it does is if you sign up, your family signs up with it, it'll whisper to Alexa, start the morning protocol. And it'll say, hey, Vince, how'd you sleep last night? And you'll respond, oh, you know, I, it wasn't that great. It's like, how are you feeling? Well, I don't feel that great. Would you like me to have Bob give you a call, like your son to give you a call? Or just those things like that. And because, and it's creating some controversy at Alexa because everyone has concerns about privacy because you don't want your Alexa to just start asking you questions randomly, you know, when you're in the toilet or something like that. But at the same time, for this particular audience, they're able to get around it because they actually you subscribe to a service and they're going to that chip and they're actually whispering it to Alexa. So right now, Alexa's on reactive voice and they're trying to promote proactive voice and at the at the core. Um, but just how people are thinking about voice and thinking about conversational design to help people do things and what the the extent to what they're going, I've never would have heard that in any other podcast that I've been involved with until I looked at something like that. Wow. And the fact that like what they're doing and how they're helping people, it actually made me go write the CEO and said, look, whatever you need, man, because I would love to help you with a project. And, you know, it's one of those forums where you get a conversation. And actually, so, talk, talking about Alexa, in um, I'm not sure what we have in the US, but in the UK, so to talk about the elderly, we have um, things called lifelines. We have a pendant and an old person falls at home. They'll press the pendant and then they rely on someone coming through to their. I don't handle all home requests. I shouldn't have mentioned Alexa. Then she's going off in the yeah. background now. Oh, like the, in the yeah. podcast, they call it the A word, so because it's going yeah, off all the time. No, but um, yeah. So these these people have a pendant or a button, and they're going off constantly in error. And as yeah. soon as, as soon as they go off, a, a physical person picks up the phone and tries to talk to that person through their speaker and says, right. like, Marjorie or. Mr. Humphreys, are you okay? And they'll say, no, I fell over, or I need an ambulance, or no, I can't get out of bed. And they'll then ring the emergency services, so the ambulances come out and take them into hospital or pick them up off the floor. But obviously mm -hmm. that relies on them having the pendant on them. And a lot of the time they don't have it on them, they'll forget it. And they'll, or they'll drop it, and they'll, they'll fall over, and they could be waiting hours and hours and hours on the floor. Whereas someone, if someone created something for Alexa, she'll, she'll go off again now, mm -hmm. for, for that person, just, there she is. Mm -hmm. But if someone called out for her to say, look, I fell over, call me an ambulance, you cut out, you cut out the whole person sitting in the office answering the phone, you, that could be gone. And it'd be more right. useful. You, it'd be more useful. There was another one built for um, the elderly where it sort of, it allows like a family, let's say my grandmother was, you know, living somewhere and... And it was built for this woman's grandmother who, uh, mother who had macular degeneration. She could no longer read. You know, um, she was blind for the most part. All the kids could give their daily update into Alexa. And as a result, she could just say, what's the family update? And it would just do round robin. It would give her this almost like a daily briefing of what's going on in the family. And she could, you know, she could hear it right there. It's amazing. Really right. Is. So, yeah. So that sort of like concept is, you know, pretty good. Um, so, yeah, I think there's 
that VUX world, I, I would definitely recommend it. Um, there are other ones that I listen to um, that are humorous that just make me laugh. That have, you know, uh, reply all. I'm a big fan of that one. It's a gimlet to- tool, but I think VUX world has been the one that's really added like the people and technology in a way that I hadn't really thought it was going to happen. Cool. Thank mm-hmm. you. And then final question. Um, who do you think I should try and interview next and why? I think, um, there's this guy, um, has a podcast called uh, Chance Bending, Ben Smith. Cool. He's the one that really got me hip to this whole um, daily briefing with Alexa. Chance Bending, is it Ben Smith? He was one of, uh, part of the original media YouTube groups in LA, whatever. Um, you know, based upon... Um, He's into like these short things, short stories, you know, short, quick punches. And he's really, you know, interesting about what's going on and voice and technology about what he's thinking about. There may be a lot of interesting stuff because he's sitting in technology, but he's also sitting in Los Angeles as opposed to like Silicon Valley. So it's probably pretty interesting. Um, Another person who might be interesting is the CEO of LifePod, the guy, uh, the person who was doing the um, the Alexa for that. Um, and I think just because he's been around forever, he's one of the people who started nuance, which was basically who came up with Siri, you know, and he saw the evolution of, of voice since it started, since what, when it was that, you know, to where it is now. And, uh, you know, and so he can give you a really, he would give you a good perspective on that. And I think that um, in terms of who might be just, you know, very interesting, that, that's those people. Actually, you know what? There was, a, there was a woman on his podcast, the VUX podcast, who talked about conversational design, who was like a former playwright or something like that. She was so good that she was just amazing. I just, it was, I was in awe of this woman. And like, she's like my new, I have my, I have my new tech crush. That's what she is. (laughs) But, um, I think that, um, I'll have to look her up and I'll send you a note. Yeah. Cool. Via Skype. Yeah. But I, and I, and why all the times like they have very interesting things to say and they, I have a different perspective on things. Um, I don't think that, um, there's a ton of massive originality in the chat world um, right now. I do think this this gentleman who is running Active Chat, um, he has he's worth observing, um, but I think he's probably too busy right now dealing with. He just did an App Sumo deal and it's it was massively successful. That means like over five to eight thousand new customers in a matter of days i think he's knee deep and like stuff so i think that's that would be my take cool Mm -hmm. so i'll I'll add them to the wish list anyway i'll I'll add them to the wish list i'll send them a message Mm -hmm. and 
I'll hassle them until they come on. Yeah. But, but yeah. So if if any listeners wanted to start off with chat, just probably dip the toe in the water and get started. Who would you recommend they go to? Would you recommend someone like Active Chat or is there something out there they could get started with? I think that um, if they wanted to get, if somebody wanted to um, get started with chat, I would recommend starting with something like ChatFuel. Like, well, I think ManyChat is really good, and if you didn't want to pay for anything, um, you would go with ChatFuel. The way the the way ManyChat works is the fact that you can't store emails. You can't do something of people who come into your bot until you pay for the pro. ChatFuel, you can store emails. You can store anything. You can use all the integrations, all the detailed integrations if you want to test it out. All you what you can't do is, is like you can't download your users, which is more fair to me than yeah. not being able to store emails. Um, so if I was going to do that, that's what I would. That's what I, that's what I would do to start off with, to ch- to test. It's more structured. It gives you under an understanding of what some of the data is, and it it you know both have massively. Um, uh, but the community for many chat is very beginner focused. Uh, whereas the Chatfield community is a, they tolerate beginners because I was there, but a lot of them are kind of advanced. So that would be, so if you went for help, people will come to you and they free courses, they're free courses with every software company. But I would, if I were going to do, I would start with their active chat is actually just launching their active chat Academy, their free, free training Academy, um, which should be pretty good and it's pretty useful in helping people through things. I haven't been through it fully. It's being launched, but I looked at the beta version of it. That was it was pretty good. But um, you know, in terms of easy use, I would start with chat fuel, and then once you got comfortable with that whole conversational flow, the world's your oyster. Cool. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for your time. And the last thing is, if you do get started with Alexa with the breathings, I would love you to come back and talk about it. Yeah, I, I definitely will because I'm just trying to figure out the, the process. Awesome. Well, thank you again for coming on the show. And if anyone wants to take a look at how to make a chatbot, go and take a look at ChatFuel. There's a brilliant free plan that will let you do absolutely all sorts. So take a look at ChatFuel. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Podcast the number one resource for entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs with ADHD. Please be sure to subscribe. And if you found this episode useful, please do leave a review. If you have any questions or if you want to speak to other business owners just like you, join us in our free Facebook community. Head to entrepreneur.com forward slash group to join. And finally, this episode was brought to you by Hoxo Creative, the web agency that helps your business stand out and get results. If you want to find out how you can get better results from your website or social media efforts, head over to the blog at hookso.co.uk where you'll find a number of free resources.